to another very special episode of Yeah, We Read It. I'm your host, Maggie. And I'm also your host. My name's Laura. And today we are joined by two of our friends from Animation Nation, right? Yeah, maybe. Nation of Animation. Oh, Maggie, Nation you were so close. so close. So close. All the words were there. Animation yeah. Nation was taken right. by, I believe, what, like a Fox block of shows? But that was uh, Animation Domination is a Fox oh. block of shows. Animation Nation is a very, like, like animation, like, craft-based podcast about, like, you know, here's the tools you use, and here's, like, what a pen to draw on your tablet for good animation. Oh, so, oh, yeah. I would like to kill those yeah. people. I I'm know, gonna right? Them for you. Well, we are gathered, <laughs> Thank you. gathered with our buddies Brooke and Ryan um, from Nation of Animation. Yeah, we got it. Hell yeah. We are diving into Let It Snow. It is a an interesting book. An anthology? Yeah. That, okay, count, that counts as an anthology, one. right? It's three different yeah. stories. There That's are multiple really authors. Yeah, it is an anthology. Yeah. I, interesting yeah. is a curious word, Maggie. <laughs> we can drill down on what we mean by interesting. Um, and obviously, this is our John Green season. John Green did not solely write this book. He wrote this with two other people, Maureen Johnson and Lauren Miracle. Felt like he kind of didn't even want to be on the project. Oh, he ha- he does have <laughs> the shortest. He does have the shortest story in the book, coming in at a total of like eighty something pages. Uh, the other one's totaling uh, like about mm-hmm. one twenty each. So he's still like counting his Catherine's money, and he's like, "I don't need to do this. I'm a. You guys have fun." And it's so funny because they like featured him first on the book, uh, like cover and everything. So they really wanted to like hit home that like John Green is a part of this project, but. Mm-hmm. John Green did not want to highlight that he was a part of this project. And essentially the Let It Snow book, as Laura um, said, it was an anthology. It is three stories interwoven together that kind of take place on Christmas, do take place on Christmas Day, um, where there's like a blizzard happening. Yeah. Um, and everyone's kind of like stuck it's, in their uh, space. It's kind of like we get three Yeah, We Read It episodes for the price of one, because we're about to go through each and every one of these stories with our pals Ryan and Brooke. This uh, book and this episode is like at Walmart in the $5 DVD bin. You could get like six monster <laughs> movies or like six slasher movies. And they were all just the drizzling shits. But they did come together. And it's like, well, great value. Yeah. <laughs> that is such a good way to put it where it's like you kind of just bought like a couple and you're like, there's one of these that I might watch again. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, okay. First story is the Jubilee Express. By Maureen Johnson. Are either of you familiar with any of her other works? Because I am not. I had never heard of Maureen Johnson or Lauren Miracle with a Y. I have heard of Maureen Johnson, but I haven't read her stuff. So who who knows how it is? Why <laughs> why did I think Maureen Johnson was connected to Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist? Is that crazy? She might. Yeah. No, you know what? I'm thinking of not that. So <laughs> I don't know who this is either. That's okay. Anything. We're all about to, we all learned who she was together. And that's kind of beautiful. Just like Mm -hmm. the miracle of Christmas. Mm -hmm. Um, So so let's dive in because it's Christmas Eve, y'all. And Jubilee Dougal um, is telling us all about how she does, she has a stripper name, but she's not a stripper. This is how we're introduced to our first protagonist. Um, And she's dating this guy named Noah, who seems like a tryhard. Noah Price, yeah. And it seems like- One runner- of let it snow that i'm interested in is like three different flavors of like very understated misogyny <laughs> like three <laughs> different scoops of like yeah. women ugh, 
two of yeah. them written by women. Well, welcome to 2000s YA, baby. This yeah. is, this is the recipe. Her name so many times. And then in the other stories, they even bring up her name so many times. And I thought, it's not that weird of a name. If no. There's, told me there's name an instance Jubilee. in a later story where someone says, like, where she introduced herself and she's like, I'm Jubilee. And the other person's like, Jubilee. And she's like, I'm not a stripper. And it's like, no one brought that up. Like, of all the things yeah. to, like, r- r- bring up from a previous manuscript, from your fellow writer's manuscript, that's the, like, that's the callback you want to do? Anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. After a stripper instead of a Santa village? Which is what Jubilee is. Yeah, yeah, we like right. It's easier to explain for <laughs> sure. It's, yeah, and we it's were. always in season. Strippers are evergreen. Like, that's honestly, they work hard. They make a lot of money, and it's well earned. Yeah. What's not to like? Exactly. Yeah. You should be so honored to be named after a stripper, Jubilee Dougal. Exactly. But we get hit with that internalized, externalized misogyny two-hit combo right away because she's like my boyfriend, sixteen-year-old Noah Price. He's so popular. And he would only date models. He would never date me. But last year on Christmas Eve at his like Christmas smorgasbord, he was like, oh, thank God you ate fish because now we can kiss. Very weird first interaction. But hey, I mean, whatever floats Noah's boat. He's popular. Yeah, they made out in the garage. Pretty, pretty romantic stuff. <laughs> Listen, it, I, you know, I've done my share of like writing workshops. I've taught classes on writing and I've had my own work critiqued a lot. It's no fun to just like get in the nitty gritty. Like this word's wrong. This word doesn't fit, blah, blah, blah. But if I have to see the word smorgasbord again, I'm going to put a nail through my hands. <laughs> <laughs> That's an unclean on his birthday. One of the worst words in the English language. And they use it so much. Yeah. Yeah. They were using it like it was a safe word for something, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, they did. Um, but we uh, learn, obviously, like Mikey said, that Juby was named after uh, the a Floby Santa village, which is a um, like a almost like miniature collectibles that make up a village. That's uh, right, right. I, I can't yeah, yeah. that part. Yeah. Right. Um, and her parents are obsessed with the Floby Santa village, and they have like every piece and shop and little thing combined. Um, because each they have new pieces come out every year and they're all w- worth bunches of money. Um, but we very quickly learn on page six that her parents have gotten arrested. Yep, they're a part of something called the Flow B5, which is it is it ripped from Little Rock 9? Is that what it's supposed to be? I sure hope not. Well, no, because I, I feel like they've used like the, the you know, location or object in a number in multiple, mm-hmm. multiple court cases. To be fair, but most of them are very, very um, heavy cases. <laughs> Violent crimes. Yeah. yeah. People are falsely Political accused. dissidents. You don't know yeah. if anybody yeah. died during this. This could have been a really, really big crime. The, yeah, the folks like- drive um, were essentially arrested because they drove to, like, the Floby Village headquarters to try to get something for their elf hotel santa collectibles and then they got arrested because they are rioting in the street yeah they, they, they started a riot to get their little christmas collectibles but they made it clear about her parents that they weren't involved in the oh, riot sure. they just didn't want to leave cop out come on <laughs> let, let her parents get down and dirty her lawyer's telling her this so i find it hard to believe that the lawyer is not trying to make them sure. look good yeah. honestly her, the lawyer character is so fun because he's like hey um here's the establishing stakes of the story let's get you on the train like it's like yeah, hey the I, story is beginning we need to get you to a new uh situation you're leaving your stasis into a liminal period of change and growth you know like stories yeah. are i 100 percent thought that this like lawyer character was gonna come back because they spent like a while being like this is sam <laughs> and the type of person he is and he lives down the street and i was like okay 
And then he's just gone. He's gone. So listeners, forget about him because he's he's not important. Nope. He we never knew Sam. Jubilee off at the train station because she's got to get to Florida because there's this storm coming. Yeah. Makes no sense. There's going to be about nine inches of snowfall in the south. Trains can handle anything. <laughs> she, she's going to Florida because her parents are like, you can't spend Christmas alone. And Even she's though like, they have left her alone yes. the night before to Correct. travel to the Floby Village place. Yeah. Decide, too much now. Too mm-hmm. much yeah. alone. It's like, and also like, I'm so sorry, the train from Virginia to Florida would have to take like 15 hours still. No. Like, oh, yeah. Two hours, according to the book. That's wrong. <laughs> this book takes place in a world where America got the high-speed rail. Like, we actually... Yeah. A, a utopia where we funded public transportation and America has a comprehensive rail system. Yeah. And, and America where uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia just don't exist. They've all been just, like, squeezed. Just so. skip them. You're right to Florida. There you yeah. go. Yeah. But she is stuck on this train for two hours. Bummer. Her iPod died. Um, and it doesn't seem like Noah really cares because it's smorgasbord time. He is booked and busy. Yeah. Yeah. Noah sucks. He's just like, he doesn't, he doesn't even ask her like why she's on a train. What's going on. He's like, babe, I got a ham in my hands. (laughs) I'm busy. (laughs) Booked and busy. So she's on this train. She meets a hot guy, Jeb. There's like an underlying thread of Jubilee meeting a hot guy and being like, maybe, maybe. Yes, you 100% think Jeb is going to be, like, the third party in the love triangle. Right? And then it's so funny when he disappears a few pages later. It's like, don't worry, keep reading. This ain't his moment. Right? Because, like, we're we're interested in Jeb is, like, he's a smoke show. He's got cheekbones. He's got a ponytail. He's wearing a cool-ass jacket. Uh, but he's also him exotic, or maybe she Mm. doesn't. No, it's not her. It's his actual girlfriend. Ah, yes. We'll get back to that. Yeah, God, yeah, put a pin in we'll that. Jeb also has like the sad boy thing going on before that was really a thing. I was just like, oh, yeah. I'm so mopey. It's like like an evolution of like the the grunge boy of just like yeah. a, th- a thing that I think has become prominent in the past decade or so. But he is ripe for the picking because his girlfriend just cheated on him. And he needs to borrow Jubilee's phone to call her, but he can't really get through because um, now the train is delayed. Seems like they got no service. Really yeah. Either. Yeah. So trains getting delayed. It turns out they hit something. Uh, we also are introduced to a 14 person team of cheerleaders. Um, and that's about all the characterization they get. Well, they're yeah. named Amber and Madison. Sure, there sure. you go. How could I forget? I would, I would argue that this is a very two-dimensional introduction, but it's it's one-dimensional. This is the most one-dimensional characterization right. I've read it's in like, a while. Yeah, it's two-dimensional characters have like heightened width. Like a one, th- these kids are one-dimensional. They are literally just like a tone. It's just like a sound, and that's yeah. like a cheer, and like that's it. These are written as if there is just like fourteen clones of the same person just running around these trains. I mean, you know, like Brooke said, they all are either named Amber or was it Madison? It was Madison and Amber were the most of them. At least five um, were confirmed to be Madison and Amber. Um, but Jubilee does what anybody does and says, hey, they're cutting the power in the train because this uh, train is stopped and not going anywhere. I'm going to go to the nearby Waffle House that is gleaming off in the distance. Um, and she goes in. Uh, the front host person who's also acting as manager, he states, uh, Kiyun, he says everything's free tonight. Um, and then we are introduced to a guy that's wrapped in tinfoil. Yeah, I think we get a name later as Marcus. You, but you don't get that treat until the third story. Don't like, worry about it. Treat now. I think that they've earned it. And <laughs> I want to unwrap the tin foil off this man and learn about him. He's got that's my Christmas present. 
He's got a tinfoil suit, um, and I mean, there's not much to him. He just, he just seems he's, quirky. He's just a kooky, quirky guy. What's not to like? But he's in every story. Yeah. Every story. Yeah. Later, some guy comes in. He's got wet shopping bags on his feet. Yeah, he does. Hot. And he now, sits, this is a meat cute. It really <laughs> is, because he sits immediately near Jubilee. And he seems pretty normal. He's just braving the cold. I'll be honest, y'all. When I first, like, was introduced to Stuart, I was picturing, like, a 30-year-old kind of, like, dweeby guy. Because we're not told he's immediately in high school. And I was like, is this fucking, like, 30-year-old just, like, creeping on Jubilee? Because I really thought we were getting set up for her and Jeb to have a romance. Yeah, I I thought the same thing. Mm -hmm. I was like, this 28-year-old man got off from a (laughs) shift at Target. And he's on his way home to his wife maybe his wife or his mom's couch or something i think it's the name stewart honestly stewart is so misleading yeah yeah maureen that was a bad choice we could have we could have done anything better than that so she finds stewart cute but says immediately that she has a boyfriend and he's like i don't really know why you randomly dropped that but it's okay because i work at target yeah and which (laughs) makes her trust him too easily And she says Target, and she specifies that she says it like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But meanwhile, uh, other train passengers have started to creep into the Waffle House. We've got Jeb frantically trying to use the phone booth. We've got the cheerleaders being cheerleaders, as they do in this book. They're they're stretching, they're doing the pyramid, they're like posing on the counter. And Stuart's like, hey, there's too much commotion going here. How about you come stay with me and my family for Christmas? And so that's where the plot's going. That's where the plot's going. And Jubilee reasonably says, yeah, sounds good. She does, like, this, like, you would think that there is, like, multiple pages of deliberation and, like, you know, maybe, like, him easing her or something. But it's, like, he just, like, shows her a prom photo and she's like, okay. Well, it's the prom photo that gets her. But he uses his his, um, ID and, more importantly, his Target card. And he's like, you don't understand how valuable it is that I'm showing you my Target card. Like, Zura really fucking loves Target. There is such a weird through line in this book of like like brands and like corporate identity being the most comforting thing in the world because like (laughs) waffle house waffle house is this like bastion of peace uh in the wasteland and then target is like the indicator of a good person and then later starbucks is like that's so funny uh, we'll say a lot more later but like it's this weirdest like you know what's great brands well, uh, maybe I mean, that's all we have as culture in America. I mean, it reads like a brand sponsorship. Sure, in yeah. Ways, you know? Let it snow. Like, brought to you by Staples. And Target yeah. and Starbucks are a partnership. <laughs> yeah, Pizza Hut presents Let It Snow. Yeah. <laughs> um, but to be fair, capitalism, like Christmas thrives on capitalism. So that's I guess fair. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Honestly, in this time too, because the minute they, they dropped, like there was an eye penguin doing a dance to iPod music. Yes. Like, how could oh, I forget? Height of capitalism. Yeah. Um, but, so. Where were we? Stuart and Jubilee, they got to walk. They got to walk to his house. They walk and through the snow. And they, they either have, away. They have a five-minute route or like a 45-minute route. And Stuart just kept teasing like the shortcuts. Kind of iffy. And he could explain this so much sooner, but he waits till they're actually there. Um, and walking through the shortcut and says, 
By the way, we're walking over a creek right now, so the ice could get pretty slick and thin soon. Yeah, and Seward not only knows this, he doubles down. He starts poking at Jubilee about how, like, women are only um, there for men's desires, and Jubilee hits right by being right back by being like, you know what? Not all women. We're not all cheerleaders. And Finally, she- someone says it. Yeah, yeah. You stick it to those bad girls, <laughs> like cheerleaders. She's getting so mad because Stuart's like, "Why do you hate women?" And she's like, oh, "I'm a feminist. I don't have blonde hair." Okay, and then she starts stomping her little feet because she's mad about <laughs> misogyny, and the ice breaks. Yeah, so they they both fall into the ice. They wouldn't have fallen in if 2016 feminist movement had happened. I'll say it. If it was 2016, this wouldn't have happened. It was a, a truly second wave feminism a problem. Product yeah. of this time. This, this is yeah, the other first dimension of feminism that we're seeing here. <laughs> they don't go too far underwater. It's like five feet deep, but they are soaked. So when they get out, they're freezing and they get to Stuart's house with ease. But they because they took, the, I mean, they took the shortcut. They took the shortcut. But- yeah, but she gets a shower. Um, and she gets out of the shower. Someone has given her new clothes and taken hers, which like that's creepy. I'll say it. Oh, I and she mentions it's a glass like pane shower specifically. Yeah. So whoever came in saw it all. Yeah, yeah. And then she meets his mom, uh, Debbie, who uh, who I different. find terrifying. Oh my god! Who, who immediately. Like, too familiar. Too familiar. Mm-hmm. Very cheery. Very pushy in, like, a friendly way, I think is the best way to describe her. Yeah. Um. So they eat some food that Debbie has made, and Julie learns um, Stuart is Jewish, but he still celebrates Christmas, and that his dad doesn't live with them. And they also like Floby villages. That's a huge reason why yeah. Debbie is like so obsessed with Jubilee. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's pretty normal. They just eat food. She goes to bed. Uh, she calls Noah before she goes to bed. And he basically just like hangs up the phone the moment she calls again because that's kind of Noah's thing. Yeah. When we first meet him, Noah has the personality of wet bread of just like <laughs> and then every subsequent phone call, like the bread gets a little moldier. Yeah. And it just like just rots over the course of these pages. Yeah, that's I was so like, true. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. It's three a.m., but also she's calling from a foreign number. Like, wouldn't you be stressed at three a.m.? I'd be like, "Are you okay?" Not no. She's like, "Hey, I just fell in a lake, and I'm in a stranger's house, and the, the train got here." And he's like, "Oh, that sucks. I gotta go." See Gam Gam. I gotta go talk to yeah. Granny about Christmas. I'll see you in the morning. Yeah. Noah is like Noah sucks. Um, but uh, she's woken up the next morning by Rachel, who is uh, Stuart's five year old sister. Um, and she is written very much as a, a little sister. Um, yep, she's and- needed, she's described as needing a bath maybe like five times. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Thank you, child. <laughs> Debbie so funny. somehow manages to get through to the jail and um, gets Jubilee's parents on the phone, and they at least wish her a happy Christmas. I mean, Noah's really dropping the ball, but, you know, her parents wish her a happy yeah. Christmas. Yeah, and here's one of the most insane scenes in the book after this, because um, Stuart's off, like, helping a neighbor shovel her driveway, and Debbie starts to tell um, um, Jubilee all about Stuart's ex, Chloe, and how he seems to really light up around her, so she hopes that they can work it out horrifying um, 
they haven't even known each other for 24 hours and Debbie's trying to pawn off her son to a stranger whose parents have just gotten arrested. She's, She's like, hey, Jubilee, I know you had a rough day, but I did see you naked and I think my son would really like you. Yeah, she's like, please ho- please have sex with my son. He needs to stop being such a sad This dad. is what he's into, let me tell you. If you need one blanket to cuddle up under, just take one. <laughs> Not even subtle about it. She leaves for the movie time and... Like, she's like, you guys just have fun. You're all alone now. So. Yeah. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. She's like, let's get Rachel outside so you two can get to right. know each other it's, more. It's, it's a degree beyond the Amy Poehler mean girls. Like, if you're going to drink, I'd rather you do it in the house. It's like, yeah. hey, I think you two should fuck. I think the two of you should get it on. In fact, I'm going to leave I- so you two can, can just really have this moment together. Have the whole Right of the house. Do it in every room. It's yeah, a Christmas bed. That's what we need. They start yeah. bonding over having stupid names. Nothing sexier than playing Mousetrap, too. They great game. A great game. <laughs> and two hours later, Noah calls, and finally, Jubilee tells him a little bit of the story, but he's like, I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta go. I'm yeah. so sorry. No, Why I'm did just... he call then? I would scream. <laughs> he he called to tell her he was busy. He was like, yeah. hey, let me know. I can't talk to you. Goodbye. <laughs> TikToks when they FaceTime and they're like, hey, sorry, I just gotta go. And they're like, you called me. <laughs> yeah, and so Stuart, I don't think we've touched on the fact that Stuart kind of has pick-me energy because, like, he's <laughs> crying on, like, her entire relationship so much on their shortcut walk to his house earlier in the book. And he's crying even more now um, yeah. about this whole dismissiveness of Noah. And he's like, you want to know what I think, Jubilee? He's going to dump you. Just, like, really crossing a line here. <laughs> I know. He's like, you should definitely be worried because this same thing happened with Chloe and me. And Chloe was really popular. And I was kind of frumpy and ugly like you. <laughs> <laughs> Us frumpy uggos gotta stick together. And he's also like, if it were my girlfriend, I wouldn't have slept last night. I would have stayed up worried about it. I'm different. I'm built different. I'd be there for you. Like, Stuart's is just as intense as Debbie when you think about it. Like, the fact that he's like, I would never let my girlfriend ride the train to Florida by herself. Like, that's literally, like, the vibe he's giving off. I would just walk her over a frozen lake. And whatever happens, happens. But Stuart is going to shoot his shot because he sees an opening and he's going for it. He's like, you know what? You can call Noah from my bedroom. And she really lays into Noah on the phone. Yeah, this is somehow enough for her to dump uh, dump Noah. Like, Stuart tells her once that, like, you know, she should be insecure in their relationship and he's going to dump her. I mean, thank God she does, because once she, she brings it up, he was like, oh, yeah, honestly, I'm happy you've been feeling it, because I feel it, too. I think it's for the best, and she's blindsided. <laughs> it's almost like, it's it's a very believable thing to be have one person be like, hey, we need to have an argument. I'm really concerned about a relationship. And the other person be like, oh, no, you're right. Yeah, this is not happening. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, we agree here. This is over. Stuart comes in, and he's trying to level with jubilee a bit he's like hey i get it you know chloe once again more chloe lore she cheated on me in the bathroom at starbucks with the school mascot so been there kiddo yeah and this is enough to really romance jubilee because she's going tongue first into stewart's face yeah it's so funny that it works like 
like Stuart really got his Christmas miracle because he's just manipulated this girl into coming to his house, breaking up with his girlfriend, and hooking up with him. Here's here's how you seduce: one, meet someone in a time of crisis; two, uh, disparage their current partner; three, talk about how hung up you are about your own ex; get your mom in on it too; yeah. get your sure, mom have a pool mom. <laughs> Play some mousetrap and you're in. <laughs> and don't worry, because Debbie's about to come back around right now. As Jubilee is on top of Stuart, Debbie sees them making out and lets the five-year-old daughter know, oh, we should probably go. Not really whispering, not really being subtle. She's like, no, it. let them have their sexy time is basically what she says. Vibes are awkward. And Julie bolts. She's like, I'm not going to be in this house. This is so weird. And she just kind of starts wandering the neighborhood, trying to find the train. Yeah, she decides to bail because she's like, well, this is maybe too much. Uh, and don't worry, Stuart does what anyone of us would do. He follows her tracks so he can confront her about leaving. He's like, here's my five-year-old sister's hat, which to me reads the same as like if you meet someone at the bar and you just leave your most precious item that like you probably yeah. need back. It's like leaving collateral at a pawn shop or like with a with a, a debtor or a creditor. And be like, hey, listen, here's my here's my Rolex. Stuart, Debbie, and Rachel, uh, Rachel are giving like hired family of three like they're not actually related they're just working together <laughs> yeah they do great on family um, feud but he also convinces her um that she should date him now all of a sudden um and she does uh, somehow this also convinces her to throw her phone away <laughs> well that's after noah calls her so noah calls and Stuart's like listen don't answer it and she does. She Why? Throws it away. She's throwing her phone away for someone she's known for not even a day. Well, it's okay. Their relationship on. is based on empty, stupid gestures. It's only a two-hour train ride from Virginia to Florida. <laughs> they can. They this can book is based work. on delusion. <laughs> they can do it. Um, but they kiss, and that's the end of that story. Yeah, that one ends on a kiss. All right, now let's 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 debrief here. Let's let's just show out any lingering thoughts we might have. About the Mid. Jubilee Express. Okay, I actually really liked the Jubilee Express. Honestly, <laughs> comparatively to everyone else, this one was very fun. I kind of liked them on the train. I mean, would I go to a stranger's house and then kiss the sun? I don't really think so. But I wasn't brave at 16. <laughs> yeah. The Jubilee Express, is, the express part is how quickly she dumped her boyfriend and start dating someone else. Because it wasn't really about the train at sure, all, no. despite being called the Jubilee Express. I kept waiting for her to be like, oh, and I realized the train had left already. <laughs> yeah, it right. wouldn't have been that long. Like, it would have been fine. Maureen wrote the latter half of this, and she was like, wait, shit, how do I physically get someone from Virginia to Florida? Like, she had all the, like, workings going on. And then she's like, oh, wait, I gotta write the beginning. And then just, like, get out of her head. Yeah, it's Christmassy. Trains. Trains. <laughs> you know, train for Christmas. That's something. Sure, classic. Polar oh, Express. But, but dramaturgically, one thing that did bother me. <laughs> at the beginning, she sets it up, Jubilee, like, this is my story. And it happened a while ago. Like, it's something that happened, like, maybe last Christmas. But yeah. then at the end, we don't get that again. It's just like, and we kissed. Yeah. And yeah. come back and be like, and now we're together. And I travel to his little town every week. And we and call it the Jubilee Express. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, there um there's a lot of callbacks in this book, but there's not a lot of, you know, full circle moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Something that um, will come up later, though, for for eagle-eyed readers. She was reading Northanger Abbey on the train, Ooh. and then that's the plot of one of the other little stories. Oh, oh. I didn't know that. That's a good guess. Look, the Austin scholar caught that. That's Northanger Abbey, not widely read. So why would you do that one? But that's fine. Well, I can't. Do you know what the plot is to that book? I do. But, this okay. will be. This will come up. Not our next story, but okay. We'll put a pin in that. I can't wait. Um, For the patron saint of pigs. Yes. Um, this is interesting because we've never had an anthology before. Does everybody feel ready to move on to a cheertastic Christmas? I'm, I'm ready. Let's go. Let's get to Mr. That's Green. Wintry opus. All right. Man of the hour, John Green. Green. Yeah. <laughs> the main event in the middle of the book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, our, our, our season's finest, John Green. Mm-hmm. He has written a cheertastic Christmas. And just when he thought we couldn't get more cheerleaders, boy, are we getting more cheerleaders. Oh, a, a lot. Because we I want, are- to shout out, I want to shout out John Green also for using the R slur, only author yeah. of these three to do that. That's I, fun, John. He used it in um, he, for Alaska I'm pretty too. sure he, yeah, he used it in Catherine's as well. I think John okay, Green. Okay. Is three for three. Three for three, John. Oh, um, guys, Catherine's was so bad. It yeah, was, it, was, it, was really, it was really offensive. I have not read that one. I've read Looking for Alaska oh. and The Fault in Our Stars, but I have not read Honestly, Abundance Honestly, keep well. it that way. If you read Abundance of Catherine's, like, your opinion's going to change a little bit. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a great podcast you can listen to if you want to get all the hits <laughs> yeah, right. of the Abundance of hey, Catherine's. Last week's episode, you'd love it, because uh, we yeah. really dig into it. <laughs> we do. Um, but for this one, he, he's got just one one little speed. Well, he's probably got a few speed bumps. No, he's got a lot of speed bumps in a cheer test with Christmas Miracle. Um, but we start this one off in, I think for, in Florida as well. We got- It's Virginia. Oh, Virginia. It doesn't snow in Florida, Meg. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know. They were like <laughs> all going to Florida, so yeah. I couldn't figure out where I they- I think they're in North Carolina. Yeah, it's, it's a town in North Carolina. Lauren yeah. Miracle dedicates her section to like Brevard, North Carolina, mm-hmm. which I, I have been to. Which, which been. just makes the time shit in the first story make even no less sense. fucking sense uh, to get from, from Virginia to fucking North Carolina in two hours by train. Yeah, yeah. The, the, oh, again, geographically, this book is not yeah. strong. <laughs> well, in this little sleepy town, we have JP, uh, the Duke, and Tobin, and they're all watching a movie um, at, I think, Tobin's house. Yes. Someone's house, we don't know. When Tobin's mom calls and she says that uh, Tobin's mom and dad, they're stranded in Boston, so they're not getting home. And Tobin's like, that's fine. I'll get to stay at the Duke's house. Because he's obsessed with his best friend, the Duke, who's a girl. Yeah. The Duke is a girl, and you know she's cool and not like other girls, because her nickname her is, is the Duke. Duke. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Another uh, great John Green girl character. Shooting yeah. threes, Mr. Green. <laughs> yep. And yeah, very much like a character with a with a fun nickname. That's also very <laughs> categorically John Green. We get some quick homophobia on page two. Duke says it'd be pretty gay of her to be attracted to JP because he has the body of a girl, and we as we know, she is missing out um as gays um but know. here's where we get a taste of our crossover though because uh Ki-Yoon from the waffle house is their buddy and he's calling to say hey y'all there's 14 one-dimensional cheerleaders here <laughs> he's like and- hey i'm the horniest i've ever been in my teenage life if you want to also have risk and embolism from horniness get down to the waffle house yeah, he's like, i am rock hard in this waffle house right now yeah <laughs> the duke's only like motivator seemingly is hash browns yeah oh, hail the brand yeah, yeah they're going to brave a snowstorm so that maybe tobin and jp can flirt with these cheerleaders 
and uh, the Duke can get her hash browns. That is the the motivating factor for this story. The stipulation is, um, though Coon, their friend, um, called Mitchell and Bobby, the other people who are working, they agreed that they called their guy friends, and whichever group a guy friend shows up first gets to talk to the No Thoughts head of the cheerleaders. Jesus. So it's, yeah, it's a race. It's a race in nine. These snow. the Waffle House workers treating like these cheerleaders like they're their property. <laughs> we'll lock them in. You just have to bring Twister. Yeah, so the rule is have to bring Twister. The plot is essentially very close to Mad Max Fury Road in that it's about <laughs> racing to rescue some fucking women from their like prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we had a water shortage. Just much slower. Room. And they have a twister shortage in this book. Yeah, but uh, very quickly, they're like, let us change. And they uh, take Tobin's parents' car uh, because they think it'll brave the winter storm. Um, <laughs> it immediately and, doesn't. It's like a Honda it really doesn't. And then they call Kuhn and they're like, hey, uh, this isn't a good idea. And he's like, no, dude, it is. And they're like, yep, you're right. Because the roads aren't salted. They just tried to drive up the hill out of their neighborhood and they slid all the way back down the hill, which yeah. would be terrifying. So they knock a wheel off the car. Not yeah. yet. Not yet. Oh, that's later? Okay. Yes. The that response is instead is to go 40 miles per hour at the hill yes. and just kind of see mm-hmm. if they could clear Yeah, it. their their response the is to explore it. Stuff like, we barely miss hitting people's houses. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're acting like this is some, like, fun adventure that they all get to go on. But it's like, this is literally a situation that you can easily die in. No, but they have to die because Tobin has a thing for cheerleaders, according to the Duke, who points out his last ex, Brittany. Um, was a cheerleader, but Tobin didn't really like Brittany because it seems like Brittany, once again, when you're a cheerleader, you like renounce your brain, according mm-hmm. to this book. Yeah. And that's what it was. He couldn't have a conversation with her. Yeah, she was too dumb and too pretty, is basically what we're told. That's yeah. his problem. Boy, John Green, what a relatable human experience. <laughs> um, but of course, they end up losing uh, control of the car again while they're near downtown. It floors into a snowbank, uh, which immediately um, essentially traps them in snow from all sides. They end up escaping from the trunk before they can ultimately suffocate. Maybe if Tobin wasn't thinking the whole time about being like, oh, so many guys are interested in Duke, but she's like not a guy's girl. Like, she's not a girl's girl. She's like a guy's girl. And I don't, and One of his exact not. lines is, she was much more of a person than other girls. Oh my god. I, I really her that, that line and put it in the Smithsonian. <laughs> to treat her as a human being but not the other ones yeah but he's having a really hard time treating her as a human being because he learns that she's going to winter formal with billy who he thinks is a greasy football player and um tobin learns this while driving and is like why didn't you why didn't you tell me so there's tension yeah he's like he's like you don't get to friend zone me i friend zone you i'm the one who says we're only friends don't you dare (laughs) insecurity never (laughs) Um, but we are introduced to the Reston twins, who are described as identical twins that look different, which really just means they're fraternal twins. Um, and they find the fraternal them, twins. I am, but their car. They have complete control of their car. Um, and Tobin's like, hey, can you just drive us to the Waffle House? Because you guys are going there, too. Um, the rest and twins are like, oh, sorry, we don't have room for uh, two dudes and a slut in our car. Um, and then they try to drive nice. away. JP somehow kicks their bumper, and that launches this car into a snowbank. 
That, like, spins them off the yeah. road. Um, JP, not skipping leg day. Good lord, my no. man. No, oh, JP so is uh, 6,000 feet tall is what we learned. Yeah. <laughs> Green giant. JP not only kicks them into the snowbank, a real one, the Duke is like, we need to bury them out or they're going to die. And JP's like, why? They called you a slut. That's honestly- He was a real one. JP was a real one for that. JP was a real one for that. I mean, later on, he does like sexualize cheerleaders while they're on- Yeah, that's not good. Win them all, guys. (laughs) So they call um, Kuhn on their way and they're like- listen sorry uh this is just it's not working like the car it's it's gone and the cune is like well do you at least have twister like while you're walking yeah but um before this we have to mention that the rest and twins do start chasing these three because yeah, they they're know. so mad about their car and jp somehow had floss on him and had time to tie a trip wire to stall them he was he was like fiddling with it at the beginning. That's the classic John Green character quirk of like last yeah. words or theorems. You're like, this kid fiddles with floss. And it's like sometimes when you don't know how to give a person a character, you just give them a physical tick instead. And yeah. uh, that yeah. seems to make money. So why stop? And it does stop the twins for a bit, but unfortunately they do have to go and kind of pass them somehow if they're going to get this twister. Yeah, so they take the long way to go get twister. They do, and they get it. And then finally they're back on their way to Waffle House. But another another obstacle here, um, because um, Tobin is starting to get frostbite, so they got to take a quick pit stop Yeah. at the Duke and the Duchess, which is a convenience store where they either call you a Duke or a Duchess, and there was one time that the Duke was a very tomboy and that's why, and then they started calling her the Duke at the convenience store. So that's why everybody calls her the Duke now is because one time she was confused for being <laughs> gender by a stranger. <laughs> gender. What are you going to do? Isn't that ironic? Wait, you know what? Maybe if she doesn't think she's a girl, maybe, maybe she's not one. Maybe, but she'll get that in about like five years, five to 10 years. Yeah, no, the, take some time. we should check back in with the Duke in a few years. I'm sure he's doing very well. <laughs> Queer theory book. Um, um, tinfoil guy's there though. We got a call back to tinfoil guy. Yes, he is. He says some cryptic shit. Uh, but more importantly, the person behind the counter is like, I can get you a tow, ca- tow car for $150 and like $50 each mile. Did we think, okay, let's pause here. Did we think it was weird that the counter girl was also named Rachel and Stuart's sister was also named Rachel? Oh. There's so many cheerleaders with the didn't same notice name. It, but... I'm trying to think and no. Maybe John Green didn't read the first one that closely. <laughs> like, oh yeah. yeah. He was like, yeah, something about a cashier, something about a Rachel. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I got he, was this. Like, yeah. he was like, okay, uh, tell me the most notable part of your book. And like, um, uh, Maureen was like, I wrote this really cool tinfoil guy. And he's like, got it. I'll add that in. I'll add it in. So they leave the Duke and the Duchess. Um, they're kind of back to walking and seemingly out of nowhere, like a cop car drives past them. And they just jump in the snow. Yeah, they do a snow angel pit stop is what I call it. It's 2 a.m.? I mean, I would, I would, if I was a cop, I'd be like, do you guys maybe need a ride? You're children. And it's 2 a.m. But no, they said a cab, baby, which I do respect them for that. (laughs) So they're tussling in the snow and Tobin and the Duke, they're really close to kissing. But JP um, kind of puts him in his place. He's like, hey, Tobin, I think like you might like her as Duke is walking a bit in front of them. And JP is like not, and he makes another comment about cheerleaders being hot. Duke is pretty mad about this, and she finally blows up. She's she's getting she's getting very mad about JP and Tobin nonstop calling out how hot these other women are, and not her. She hates it. 
She's cool. like, why don't y'all treat me like a woman? And by that, I mean, why don't y'all talk about wanting to fuck me? Yeah. Why don't you guys ever talk about my boobs? Like, that's like the air of the conversation. Yeah. Um, They're finally close to the Waffle House. And then the twins show up again. And then there's like somebody else wheeling a keg. And we get yeah. this really chaotic scene where like, a, they're tr- the twins are chasing JP and Tobin and the Duke are trying to fend them off. So they slide down the twister, like spinner um, on a snowbank. But then the keg is chasing after them. <laughs> this entire scene is written really like sloppily. Yeah, I saw them going down like an exit ramp. And then someone throwing a fucking keg at them, which is unhinged. That would kill you. <laughs> These Herculean creatures that can kick a, that can yeah, kick a truck and throw a keg. You're a fucking gorilla on the loose? What's going on? I can't believe it's that. It's so funny. But um, they end up getting out of it somehow. Like, they, I, I, I honestly, I think I blacked out. I just wrote down, <laughs> like, this, this scene is over. <laughs> like, when JP gets to the Waffle House door and then the bad brothers are like, damn it, fair is fair. You got us. We'll see you later. And they just turn around and leave. Which, like, it seems like all of their cars have broken down. Can you make an exception of, like, they all get to stay in a warm place? No. He looks those guys in the eye and says, go freeze to death. Yeah. He does. He locks the door until Duke and Tobin can get inside. And then they all kind of realize the cheerleaders aren't talking to anyone. (laughs) Yeah, the cheerleaders, like, they're not even talking to Kuhn, who, like, made it sound like they were all over him. Like, they're just kind of vibing with themselves. And then they realize, like, oh, wait, we have cheerleaders at our school. And this is also how they act. Like, we're not automatically cool just because we're near a cheerleader. <laughs> no, but Tobin does notice um, that Duke kind of sits near Billy and is, like, talking to him. Yeah. Right? That's the, the one that's working there. No, Dude. no, Billy, I think, also came. There's, like, Timmy, Tommy, there's and too Billy. Many, there's too up. many rando characters in this. But he sees the Duke talking to Billy. So he's going to go talk to a cheerleader. I think it was one of the Ambers. Um, and they have a three sentence conversation. He doesn't really ask her anything about herself. And he goes, Oh, this is a waste of time. Well, I tried. Uh, Duke goes outside and Tobin's like, Whoa, what's up? She's crying out there. He's, he's like, what the Duke can't cry. She's too cool for that. <laughs> so he goes out to check on her and she has a fucking meltdown. She's like, What's so interesting about a girl showing her tits and not me, Tobin? Huh? And after this, it, it I mean, that that works out. He's like, you're right. You know what? Those women are hard. You're right. You have tits, too. And then they kiss. You're, you're right. Your body is rocking, too, lady. Yeah. What was and, your name? I forgot. <laughs> I don't. I guess her real name is Angie is what we learned yeah. at some point. Yeah, but um, but then the story kind of, like, wraps up. Like, they all go home. They sleep. He spends the Christmas with the Duke. They have a sleepover with JP. Um, JP thinks it's weird that uh, Tobin is kissing Duke because she's, like, a guy. We get a little bit more homophobia. Yeah. Before JP, yeah. give both of, more JP, give both your friends a few years. They're going to have a lot of changes. There's going to be a lot of conversations. <laughs> Just let them find it, dude. JP, give them space. Yeah, and the story ends that um, the Duke and Tobin sneak away from their little four-way sleepover to go to the Starbucks, and he tells her that he loves her. 
which is like let's pump the brakes here well i guess they are best friends but yeah. still i don't know how do we know yeah, if still. If you're yeah. Yeah. Right, to be fair, this yeah. was like the most believable love story unfortunately because <laughs> yeah. they've just known each other for a while that is true all right y'all let's 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 decompress here because we read a lot in these 80 pages of john green's a cheer-tastic christmas was it 80 pages that we're at i was reading it i had to keep borrowing on my office computer so i had no idea what yeah, this, this book clocks in at about like 80 something pages so oh. this is a cup of coffee and so much of this book felt like john green was struggling to hit a word count like he just right. had to keep adding little things and he was still the shortest one right yeah. like, mr green is clearly a professional i don't mean to like talk smack about his craft or skill but like oh we're saying like that sequence on the hill where they're running is the most like out by five like this is is good enough anyway like i've ever read i just can't get over the twister as like a sled yeah like that like i was really expecting them to say that like the twister was ruined and that because it would be (laughs) it's a piece of cardboard um but no the twister was fine um, the, the Duke gets to be pretty, which is all she wanted, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's like, instead of taking off your glasses, it's like holding back the hoodie. Yeah, the Duke finally got sexualized. Wow. That was good for her. Yeah, she finally got her wish. Her, her Christmas wish. Her Jubilee, her own Jubilee Express, if you will. Wow. Well, and the Jubilee Express will be pulling into the last story, um, which is okay. This is the longest story in the book. It's it's the longest. You feel every page. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is the longest by like I think like fifteen twenty pages. And it also, is, uh, sorry, go ahead. It takes place after Christmas. Like we very quickly yeah. hit the twenty sixth, and it's like, what are we fucking doing here anymore? Yeah. Well, this isn't Christmas anymore. Yeah. So not only is it the longest. Back as Ryan said, you feel each and every page. It is the least of um, any substance story. There is no plot to it. There is absolutely no plot. Like, around so- now, I was like, you know what book is great? About a Songbirds and Snakes. I would love <laughs> to go back and read that, actually. I told Ryan this, but that's our most uh, downloaded episode, We are still getting like bunch of downloads yeah. every week by week. I think we have, people like, want to catch up before the movie. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we timed that out great, y'all, by releasing that <laughs> a year before the movie would ever come out. We did. Um, and for the third story, the third and final one, we move on to The Patron Saint of Pigs by Lauren Miracle. And hey, it's a miracle I finished this one, am I right? Listen, that title, Metal as Hell. That's my favorite Nine Inch Nails album. But then the story... <laughs> I was familiar with Lauren Miracle's work. Because she wrote the like TTYL chat. Oh, I loved those books. Those those were really good. Those were really fun. She should go back to that next season. Out of her comfort zone to write a Christmas story. Honestly, I feel like that should have been my first sign. I would have been petty because when people send me screenshots, I don't care how many it is between them and a partner. If it's T, it's T, and I gotta read it. (laughs) I love TTYL. That's so funny. Um, so. We remember meeting Jeb in the first book. We remember uh, meeting Jeb at the end of the last story. He actually asked um, Tobin if he sees Addie to tell her a message because he can't get a hold of her. Um, But this is Jeb's ex's story, Addie. We learned that they broke up a week ago. Um, And she has gotten a new haircut. That is bad. Um, And she has two friends named Dory and Tegan. 
And we get a really like long-winded story about how her and Jeb started dating. Um, but they've broken up and she's sad. So she's going to scroll through her iPod uh, photos of them. Yep. She's just like, hey, I torpedoed my relationship because my boyfriend was boring. And now I'm sad about it. Yeah. So the plot of Northinger Abbey <laughs> is yes. oh my gosh. the girl, the main girl, she like sort of ruins her own life because she loves gothic novels. And she compares everything to a gothic novel. And she's like, it should be like that. So then in this one, um, Addie is like, I wish my life were like Jerry Maguire or it should be more like when Harry met Sally and all that shit. So that, I was like, oh, you bitch. You're just taking more than karate. How dare you? That's really funny that like Lauren Miracle is like, yeah, I'll just, you know, do do this. I'm just going to do this. Close um, enough. I like to think that the biggest uh, problem standing in her way is Addie herself because Jeb, who she defines as boring, also calls exotic for being from a Cherokee reservation. And she's kind of wondering why Jeb doesn't yeah. really talk in um, Southern Baptist, so like the South. She's like, I'm white and blonde and a Southern Baptist. Like, why does he feel uncomfortable talking in our predominantly white school and only hang out with someone who likes Star Trek? It's like, yeah, I don't know. Outsiders attract. That's that's. I'm just like, experience. Addie, I feel like you probably never stopped talking to let this man say a word. I think in, in I've read a number of books. Addie is one of the most dis unpleasant main characters I've ever encountered. Yeah, yeah. Addie, Addie might be one of the worst protagonists we've ever had on this show. And that is saying a lot because like we read 14 books of Elena from Vampire Diaries being one of the most self-involved <laughs> people. Yeah. And I think Addie might have just beat her because she um, has just high standards. She's mad that Jeb uh, has a different love language than her. Yeah. Um, and they had a fight about their, that she wants, she, they had a fight because she wanted a big romantic gesture. And Jeb was like, I don't know how to do that. So she went and made out with someone else at a party. <laughs> Yeah, and the That'll learn him. she like makes him a playlist for their six month anniversary. He gets her nothing, uh, but is like feeds enough coins, like thirty eight of them, into one of those coin things to get like a heart necklace. And he seems to be from poverty, so that's like ten dollars. Yeah, and there's so actually, I did laugh at the bit where her friend told her that she's like, "That's not that much money." <laughs> she's like, "That's less than ten dollars." And I was like, "All right, Lauren, you got me there. That's a good joke." <laughs> That was, that was actually really funny. I was like, Addie sucks. Wow. Um, <laughs> she really does. Oh, where were we? So um, they, as Laura says, they do cheat. And the night before, or not they, Addie cheats. And the night before this, so they're going to this party at Charlie's. And they get into this fight, which is just Addie essentially saying Jeb is not good enough. And why can't he change for love? She references Shrek here, which is really funny. Uh, she says, like, why can't you change? Like in Shrek. And then they explain the plot of Shrek for about a page. And then Jeb goes, that's actually Shrek 2. Right. It is It is a willful misreading of Shrek 2. <laughs> Honestly, more YA books should reference Shrek. Right. I, that was my favorite part of the story, was how much they talked about Shrek it was really on fun. that page. Because everything else of the story sucks. And then uh, after she uh, insists that Shrek stays Prince Charming and is a hot human at the end of it, they go to Charlie's party. Addie gets too drunk. And Charlie is like, why don't you come to, into my brother's bedroom and we can talk. We can talk relationship problems, which is, you know, all a ploy to get a kiss. Yeah. You know this. Well, and then they make 
out. Um, but back in real life, um, Dory and Tegan show up and Addie's all woe is me because she sent Jeb an email the previous night uh, talking about how she knows she fucked up and she's changed now since last week. She's really, really aware that she has changed now and she wants to meet him at the Starbucks where it all began in the purple chairs. Um, and we find out that Jeb just responded like, we'll see. And she went there um, and waited for two hours. He didn't show up. So she cut off all of her hair and dyed it pink. And Rational. Well been there. I mean, sometimes you do that after breakups. I oh, think that makes a lot of sense. After you waited for two hours and got rejected. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay. Maggie's uh, an Addie. Um, <laughs> I'm an Addie apologist in the room. I think right? that is one of the Addie few things she does in this story is being like, well, I've ruined everything. Time to like massacre my hair. Honestly, that part of Addie is relatable. I can relate. Yeah, that. that's it. But Addie is telling her friends this and Tegan, her friend is like, maybe, well, maybe he called. And she's going through Addie's phone log and finds like an unknown number. So she's like, I'm going to call it. And it's a group of these young girls. And they're like, I found this phone in a snowbank, which is from the first book. That's Jubilee's phone that she threw away for a boy. And uh, uh, she hangs up and she's like, hey, listen, they found this phone in a snowbank. And Addie's like, can you call back? Can you ask? I heard that someone was kissing. Someone was kissing. And Tegan calls back and she's like, listen, it wasn't Jeb. This guy doesn't, he's short hair. But I, I think Addie doesn't really buy it. Yeah, but um, don't worry, y'all, because Dora's going to cut to the chase. She's going to accuse Addie of being way too self-involved. Oh, yeah, she does. Yeah, she's like, hey, have you really changed like you told Jeb you did? Because I'm going to be honest, Addie, all you do is talk about yourself. Addie is pissed. To double down, Dory compares her to Chloe, the girl who cheated on Stuart in the second story. And wow. harsh, but Yikes. honestly, right to the chase. Yikes. I do love, I saw it in the movie that, I don't know if, do you guys watch Yellow Jackets? Yes. yes. The girl who plays Van is Dory in the movie, and she's a lesbian. Oh, okay, that's good. Oh, yeah. I love it. Um, but what's going to happen now is Tegan's going to gonna really break the tension in the room here. Because her teacup pig is coming tomorrow. Yeah. And it's a big day because she's going to name him Gabriel. The fury I felt over the teacup pig, like the irresponsibility of being like teacup pigs exist, first of all, and then being like, it's so easy to have a pig as a pet. No, it's not. And also the like little that this mattered to the plot in general. Yeah. Reading this part, I was like, it was like watching someone tie your shoelaces in a terrible, horrible knot. Cause I was like, (laughs) oh my God, we're gonna have to deal with this pig. Oh my god, we're gonna have to resolve this fucking phone situation. Oh my god, we're gonna have to like make peace with every single friend. Oh my god, I have so yeah. much homework to do in this book. Like, there's so much work Lauren Miracle is setting out. Like, we're gonna have to solve all of this. And I'm like, yeah. ah, no. It's also worse is that um, Tegan hasn't told her parents that she's getting a pig. We find out that like Dory and Addie have fronted the cost for her to get this pig. Yeah. And they're the parents gonna change their mind when they see a little piggy show up at their door i guess they will because she's done her research this one's not gonna be like 700 pounds i think it's gonna it's gonna be not that but again we don't know because breeders can (laughs) just tell you we we live in a magical fantasy land like yeah finally the the first ever actual teacup pig 
Yeah. And the, the, we, the fact, I can't wait till we get to the part where she puts the teacup pig in a mug. Like, it's like a fucking... So, he says, like, ten times, I need that mug. Where's the mug to put the pig in? Where's Give me the, the mug. mug. I'm like, how? Okay, we'll get there. Um, Addie, to prove that she's a good friend, uh, says she will pick up the pig because it's still all snowy. Mm-hmm. Uh, she'll pick up the pig on the 26th, the day after Christmas, because she's going to work anyway at the Starbucks, and she'll be driving the Explorer, her parents' Explorer. Um... And yeah, that's the plan. That's the plan. She's gonna do that. She's gonna pick it up. She's got work at four thirty a.m. at Starbucks. Yeah, we do. We do. We do get the story of Jeb and Addie breaking up, where we learned that Addie was the one who broke up with Jeb in the first place because she made out with someone at a party, and Jeb during this conversation is trying to kind of like, hey, let's let's really talk about this, and she's like, no, no, we have to be done because. I cheated on you. And so she's the one who dumps him. Yeah. Um, that's that's how that's, it goes. That's how that goes. So but next day, Starbucks, December 26th, yep. at 4.30 a.m., Tobin and Duke come in. They steal the purple chairs that Addie was supposed to meet Jeb on. She is jealous. She's listening to a Rufus Wainwright cover of Hallelujah because we've got to have another Shrek reference. Shrek! Instead of Leonard Cohen, which that drove me fucking crazy. And she's really... Well, like- song is about love yeah she misunderstands the lyrics right yes she's like i thought it was a like praise worship like a song. Faith song. <laughs> that's so god she's so not smart um but we get the morning rush tinfoil guy comes in and another uh like regular named Maisie comes in and these are back-to-back instances of two people just going hey addy you're too self-involved. These are adults just calling out a freaking high schooler being like hey addy you're kind of a bitch <laughs> Yeah, they they do indeed. Um, Maisie's like, I'm gonna be your angel, and Addie's like, What? What does that mean? Yeah, it's please weird. don't do that. Yeah, please leave me alone. She keeps I'm insisting working. though. She's like, I'm your Christmas angel. Angel. Uh, Duke and Tobin, they they also stroll in for like coffee, and there's that crossover as well. Um, um, no, but uh, now Addie's gonna go on her break, and uh, but before she does that, she has to rinse off one of their pores ends up getting the sink overflowed and her manager Christina is mad at Addie for some reason that this like a pipe burst even though that's not Addie's fault three Johns uh come and help them um but Addie's allowed to go pick up the teacup pig so she um calls Dory Dory's annoyed with her because she still hasn't gotten the pig and Addie's like I'm getting it right now so we go to the pet world and there's this guy named Nathan who hates Addie yeah it, at first, it's because it was Jeb's best friend, but that wasn't what it was. Before we even get to the pet store, there's the bit where she's like working at Starbucks. She's like, I need to take my break to go get yeah. the And then several pages pass of her not doing that. And the whole time, I'm just like, like, I know, like, it's meant to be tension. It's meant to be like, oh no, she forgot. But the whole time, I'm not like, on the other end of my seat, I'm like, go get the pig. Like, yeah, what are you right? fucking doing? Go get the fucking pig. We needed the plot to move forward, and it doesn't. But no. Finally, she's there to pick up the pig. Um, Nathan is actually, and you think he's mad because he's Jeb's best friend, but no, he's just mad because he asked her on a note to a dance four years ago, and she just didn't get the note and didn't respond to him. And Nathan yeah. turned me into an Addy apologist for like one page. <laughs> right? Thought, yeah. That's not her fault. Who cares? Boys and girls we cannot coexist unless it's romantic. I don't know what to yeah. say. Yeah, cares? I was about to start liking Addy if she didn't immediately go back to sucking after that exchange. 
um, yeah. because she knocks over an entire display and like half-ass helps Nathan clear it up. We find out that Nathan has accidentally sold the pig that was already paid for to somebody else. For $200. So, I mean, honestly, Nathan got a little off the top. Yeah. How can we hate him? <laughs> right? But Addie somehow convinces him to give her an invoice. Um, but don't worry, because when she leaves, she's got three uh, phone calls. One is Christina saying, where the fuck are you? You're late from your break. Uh, another is her dad saying he's come by to take the car that was in the parking lot. And the third is from Tegan thanking her for picking up her pig. Um, so yeah. she does what any of us would do and calls the person that she cheated on her boyfriend with to help her out in her time of need. I would think, hey, Nathan's probably going to see me uh, get into his car at Pet World and then tell Jeb. But this does, that doesn't cross her mind. No, no. Charlie shows up. Uh, and he brings a phone book like she asked. And he's like, hey, now that we made out in my brother's room at my party, let's really iron out what we're doing here because we're about to fall in love. And she's like, no. And he's like, I have a sizable piece. And he, she's like, <laughs> she's like, I don't care. I love my exotic boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my Basically, God. What she says. Um, but they find the address of the person on the invoice. They find out it's like, hundred feet. Yeah, it's like a hundred feet away. It's very close. It's so close. So very anticlimactic. They get there immediately. Yeah, they they get to the woman's address. They she knocks on the door, and it turns out that it's Maisie, the woman who said she was her angel. And don't I was so mad. I was like I was boiling so mad. mad. I was like, I'm gonna. If I were Addie, I would have been like, I'm gonna kill you if you don't give me that pig. <laughs> Why did you do this? And don't worry, it's because Maisie, the elderly woman, was deciding to test a 16-year-old girl. She's like, you Which, in a way, very biblically accurate of what angels do. It's like, hey, I will test your faith. Like, yeah. uh, uh, Addie, go up on Mount uh, Moria <laughs> and slaughter the, the child. But Maisie yeah. is like, look, this has, like, fixed you, made you not think about yourself so much. Mm -hmm. No, it didn't. <laughs> like, all she yeah. had to do was find the like <laughs> yeah no and we're supposed to believe that addie has been like fully changed because of this and she like walks into the starbucks with a new attitude but it's like she's gonna wake up tomorrow and be the same old addie no but she won't because she realizes Maisie lives alone and Maisie's feeling bad for her and addie is like hey Maisie, I'll be your friend. I'll come over and we can make tea since you're so lonely. I'll start visiting you. And that's really all Maisie wanted. She's not an angel. She's just a perfect She's manipulator. Just um, Maisie, I'm going to tell you right now, Addie's never going to come and hang out. But she promises. You're never going to see her again. No. She promises. We'll see. Um, but she walks the teacup back over to the Starbucks because conveniently this house is behind behind the Starbucks. Yeah. Um, so she's just going to walk in. There's no cage for this pig either, so she's just like, like in a it. coat pocket or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she walks into the Starbucks, and we have a big, big crossover moment because uh, Dory and Tegan have shown up, and they're like, "Where's the pig?" And Christina's like, "Is there a pig in my store?" Um, and Drew, the Duke, and Tobin are like, "Hey, we have to tell you something, Jeb. You said Jeb. We gotta tell you what Jeb told us at the Waffle House. They said he's coming." And then Jeb shows up. Yeah. They don't have a conversation. They just like kiss and they're fine. Yep. Um, after after that, Jeb just hugs her. He comes through and he's like, I'm sorry. It's been insane. He uh, apologizes. Been at Waffle House. And, you know, Addie's like, I, I want you. And he's like, no, I want you. And yeah. then they kiss. Turns out Jeb was the biggest Addie apologist of all. Yeah. 
<laughs> and, and don't worry, Stuart and Jubilee were there too. Oh, to yeah. get a coffee. <laughs> also, Tobin doing the classic idiot thing of not knowing how to order at Starbucks. It's on the sign, dumbass. Is this the place oh with the God. weird ordering system? Can I just get a large? I wanted to. I wanted the, like fifteen-year-old boomer. I chose to block that out of my memory because it was just so cringy. It was just so awful. Oh my god! The whole know? ending of like, and you're here, and you're here, and you're here is like, like it feels like chipping a tooth, which I know yeah. because I chipped a tooth while reading this book, like during the time <laughs> I was reading it, and I preferred the actual physical feeling to the ending. Oh my god! Yeah, I know. Seriously, God, that's so funny. Yeah, the the this this third one was a. Uh... Rough to get through. I am kind of curious how they did it in a movie sequence. And I actually do think I would watch this as a movie, to be honest. There's not many Christmas yeah. ones. Christmas is the time when you can get away with shitty content. Yeah, sure. I mean, this book reads more action-based than, like, story plot-based. So I think it would actually work decently well as a movie. Yeah. It's like it's 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 like three journeys. It's like, you know, wow. the first one, Jubilee, like, treks through the snow and she's at the house with the boy. And the second one, Mr. Green's cheerleader, cheertastic Christmas, as it's called, sure. is literally like a road story of like, we got to get to the Waffle House. And then this one is like this little odyssey of like, can Odyssey, Addie, Addison, Addie, Addie's odyssey of like going yeah. through this journey and these trials to quote unquote be a better person, which we know is bullshit. So like, yeah. I get like, it, uh, yeah, I think it would probably play yeah. better on screen. Yeah, I think I would have liked the third one more if. Jeb had come to just like fully be like, we need to move on. I feel like this mm-hmm. book needed like yeah. a one, like a Christmas heartache, you know? Yeah. Or like just like a hey, like you did a bad thing. Like be better. Like Jeb, like, hey, it's cool. Like things happen. I'll be your friend. But like, no, we're not getting back together. I hope you have a good life. And she's like, I understand. I will I have actually grown and shown any maturity. Thank you for being nicer than I deserved. Goodbye. Because yeah, how would we know that she's grown unless she doesn't get what she wants? Yeah. Because I feel like if he was like, no, she'd stomp her feet and be like, well, uh, but I did everything right. You see, I'm so much better now. Yeah. I picked up the stupid pig. That's what she spikes the pig down on the ground. Oh yeah, and this is also the part where they actually put the teacup pig in a mug. And it's like, teacup pigs aren't that small. Like, they're small, but not, like, mug size. I'm sorry. If I was a breeder at the, like, height of Uptown Girls, why would I not just sell baby pigs as teacup pigs? People do that. That's the thing. That's what they do. That's what people do. One time I was really mad at my ex-boyfriend who cheated on me, so I put his phone number on Craigslist and said he was selling a teacup pig in Manhattan, and he had to shut down his phone. I just, I had to bring that up. I forgot about that, and then I was like, That is fucking incredible it's more interesting and engaging than any of these, any stories, of these. Really. yeah that was that i want uh i want that to be the third story that's hilarious continuous number it was incredible wow what a time to be alive i just they yeah. didn't need to come back like truly i did not need i think the worst parts of this book are the connective tissue where it's like oh yeah. do you remember jeb oh do you remember tobin and it's like i don't I mean, yeah, it's a short book. <laughs> yeah, I remember. The only through line I wanted was Tinfoil Guy. Yeah. Um, sure. Because, like, he's so unimportant. And if he's the character that pops up for some weird fucking reason, I'd kind of be, I'd be okay with that. Why wouldn't someone Oh, okay. Yeah. Why should have done a Scrooge storyline with him? Well, I would have loved that. He was pretty nice. Like, Addie is the Scrooge. Addie's yeah. the one who, like, needs to get her behavior changed on the yeah. day after Christmas. Yeah. I kind of love the idea of him getting visited by all the ghosts. 
being a little screwed. Like, what was his deal? Like, oh, it was like, oh, yeah, the weird guy. But then yeah, he comes yeah. to tell Addie off the toe, yeah. for a second to be like, you're the one person I don't like, you little bitch. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Unfortunately, since the tinfoil guy was written by three different authors with no awareness of what the other person had written, he is the most three-dimensional character we've gotten in this book. It's because we did get different perspectives on him. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah, that's, so that's how that. That's kind of how that played out. So, um, in lieu of usually we do a top five, but I was kind of curious since this is an anthology and um, we've never really done that before. What was your guys' favorite to least favorite story? I think we may all have the same yeah. order, but it, it's just because it's the correct one. <laughs> yeah. And I, m- me, it's the order of the story. Yeah, no. It's it, yeah. strongest on Jubilee Express. I, you know, Cheertastic Christmas Miracle, I didn't love it. But I think John Green himself would admit that it's not his finest work. Yeah. I would hope so. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, then I think- the absolute dumpster fire. Yeah, it's interesting that a book like this just kind of got worse as it went. Mm-hmm. Um, because like, yeah, I was like, okay, yeah, Jubilee Express. This is like Christmas YA. It's fine. It's better than Dash and Lily's Christmas book that we read. Oh, so that was also horrible. Um, but yeah, this this just kind of like went from like, oh, this is a, this is cute, okay, to being like, oh, this is a little iffy, to being like, why the fuck am I here? That's, that's it was really like. It was like- First yeah. of all, I was like, oh, thank God the other two. I bet the other two are better than this. And then John Green yeah. was like, oh, that was, oh no, I, I yeah. didn't care for that. Think, I'm sure they're going to end strong. And then the horror of realizing that the first story is the strongest when you're midway through the third. Yeah. Like, I had no idea. I had no idea that was as good as it was going to get. Yeah. <laughs> I should have appreciated yeah. it more when I had the chance. Yeah. They, they, they really said, let it snow, baby. Let it snow in the worst way possible. It <laughs> was a lot uh okay should we all divulge our canceled character god where do i begin yeah let me yeah okay let me see this Sorry, let's see the book. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of options here um i'm gonna go out on the limb and say Addie. uh i feel like she was awful she showed no growth um kind of felt like she was fetishizing her boyfriend yeah. um doesn't really care about her friends um, is more upset that people think she's self-involved than actually changing. So that'll be my pitch. I'm interested to hear the other contenders. I think it would have to be Addie as well. You know, if I wanted to throw an absolute curveball and be like, you can Chloe for cheating on Stuart, but I don't know her. She yeah. had her own reasons. Yeah. Stuart's kind of intense. I mean, maybe he was, <laughs> was rightfully her. Maybe she wanted a way out. But cheating on Jeb, who doesn't really say much, because why didn't they flush him out? I think I'll go with Addie as well. Yeah. I also do agree with Addie, but I'll still throw a curveball in there and say, from the same story, Maisie, I really liked Maggie's reading that Maisie is a master manipulator who just wanted Addie to promise to come to her house every once in a while. I'm telling and you. And to call herself an angel when she's doing not angelic things. Like, so okay, Maisie's my wild card. Nice. I love uh, it. Can I, can I cancel Penguin Group for publishing this book and making this happen? <laughs> Yes, absolutely. you can. You can. And if not them, if it has to be textual, I will cancel Stuart's mom because Addie is a teenager. Her brain's not fully functional. Stuart's mom, an adult woman, <laughs> an adult woman trying to engineer a love connection for she her. Has no husband. So, okay. Sorry. She needs well, to. So she needs to. Yeah, yeah. She she arranged a hookup for him and he left. Yeah, she couldn't well, help it. 
And, and y'all, since this was such a, a book of three holiday romances, I think it's only right that we have three canceled characters. I think so, too. And Eddie, Maisie, and Debbie, our holy trinity <laughs> of dumpster fired characters. The big three. The big three. And then hey, I also want to point out, and the Debbie. no one from John Green's story got canceled, so he, he stays winning, I guess. Yeah, honestly. And somehow, you know, he wrote, like, the most sexist story, but not the most offensive characters. <laughs> yeah. That's true. You know. It's it's a complex thing this writing business. <laughs> he was he was really like uh, towing the line uh, <laughs> of getting there. John Green, yeah, yeah, he did. Also, he sprinkled in a, a bit of a touch of racism in in his book yeah. as well, but not nearly as much as Abundance of Catherine's, which was, which is, so I guess, a win. Yeah. Uh, in our John Progress. Green, season. not really. He's but... I, I don't know if we could say he's kind of redeemed himself from Abundance of Catherine's after this. I really but don't think there's any going. Back. Next week will be paper. Towns, maybe that'll be a little different. We'll see what is. Um, well, I, does anybody else have any closing thoughts? I think we talked, we discussed a lot of things today. We talked about the snow book on the cusp of summer a lot. Though it did snow yesterday. Yeah, there so. was a brief yeah, we snow snow in Chicago, so. Dang, we should have recorded yesterday. That would have been in April. That would have been more, more um, practical. But um, I guess we'll wrap up the episode then. Ryan, Brooke, Thank you so much again for, again, once again, coming on this podcast. We love having you both on. And thank you for, um, once again, trudging through a not great book for our podcast. It's hey, always- quick read. It's, it, it went fast. That yeah. is a really redeeming quality of it. It wasn't 600 pages. So it was not 600 pages. <laughs> um, can you tell us uh, where we can find you all? You can find us uh, at Nation of Animation on all your podcast uh, listening platforms of choice you can find us on twitter at cartoon book club or on instagram at cartoon book club as well uh, you can send us an email if you want to be you know really personal at cartoon book club pod at gmail.com am i missing anything no nope, that that's us that's it that's us all right now it's gonna be our turn Meg. let's do this yeah you can follow us on instagram at maggie underscore and underscore laura twitter and tiktok at yowie reddit and hey we also love a good email it is the pigeon carrier of the modern age at maggie and laura present at gmail.com and dare i dare our listeners to email both of us at the same time start a group thread that'd be awesome <gasps> oh my just god just talk to all of us yeah talk to all of us We'd love to hear your thoughts on Let It Snow. We'd love to hear what your three favorite stories were. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you who you would have canceled instead of our holiday trinity of canceled characters. Yeah. Um, but that's going to be it for this episode of Yeah, We Read It. We will be back next week with another guest for another um, dive deep into the world of John Green with Paper Towns. Yeah. Uh, and we will see you all then. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.